Hello and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week. This is episode 221. I have been reliably informed. And who have I been reliably informed by? By my wonderful co-host this evening, John. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you very much, Graham. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm feeling at least mostly less blocked up and bunged up than I did last time I sat in front of a microphone. So that's good. Um, So hopefully I'm a bit less nasal for everybody to listen to this week, which would be nice, I think, for me and for everybody else listening as well. Um, Super pleased that we have got a very special guest on this evening, somebody who... Oh, well, we were just talking, and I think it might be nearly a couple of years since we first initiated conversations about trying to get this gentleman on, and we finally made it happen. So a big welcome to the show for Julian Jules Kingler. Jules, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute delight to have you here. Um, as I said, we've been trying to make this work for quite some time, and it's been made more awkward by the fact that, well, you are very selfishly in Australia, which listeners might have picked up on <laughs> quite early on yeah, from your I, accent. I, I am. I'm a long way away, but I'm happy to be here nevertheless. <laughs> um, listeners who are not familiar with your work, one, I pity you. Um, I have been following Jules on Instagram since uh, the very early days, I think probably since we first set up the account on there, so certainly about three four years now and i think the best way that i can describe the photography that jules produces is that you'll be scrolling down your instagram feed and suddenly your i will just stop and go hang on a second one of these things is not like the other because the quality of photography that you produce is just it's exceptional and it it always leaps out and it's amazing. Um, you are a working photographer. You've been working for <laughs> probably more years than you want to remember at this point. Um, <laughs> a long time. Uh, it's very kind of you. But yeah, I, I have been working a long time and I, I think I worked out how long it was the other day and it's, it's frightening. I think it's 35 plus years. And for a young, a relatively young man, still, that's quite impressive. That's quite impressive. So, well, I, I'm glad. I'm, I, do I sound young? I, I feel young. I mean, you sound younger than 35. <laughs> so, quite how you managed to do 35 years worth of work is beyond me. Um, but you've done tons of stuff. Uh, you're an award-winning portrait photographer. You've done. There's a lot to get to. Um, and mm. but anybody who wants to just check out some of your work, a great place to go and start if you also want to get a ballpark idea. Just go to your Instagram feed, which is, I think it is um, just Julian Kingma, is it, on Instagram? Yeah, uh, yeah, this is how bad I am. I think it's Julian underscore Kingma, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Julian underscore Kingma, I believe that's what it is. I should know this. That is correct. This is your marketing agent (laughs) on the line. Thanks thanks for getting me out of a hole there. (laughs) Um, I I did warn you that I am terrible with this stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm in your hands. That's all right. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, Sure. So, as you said, you've been shooting for a very long time. Mm. It was your career straight from school. Um, What was it that got you into photography in the first place? What was it that kicked off this lifelong passion? Uh, it's that's actually kind of an easy question. I, I, to be honest, I originally had no no thoughts of becoming a photographer at all. I, I actually went to art school and thought I'd be an illustrator of all things. So, I did that for the better part of my sort of early early childhood and right through my sort of high school years. And then it was, it wasn't until I was researching something for, for a. a something with art school and I picked up um, 
I picked up a book by Arnold Newman, portrait photographer in New York, and it was literally on the spot I picked up that book and started flicking through it and it just I, I was just taken by his portraiture and it, it it flipped me on my head immediately. It was really strange and um and I literally had that moment where I went, oh, "This is what I'm going to do." I, I'm, I'm not. Draw-. And I literally down tools and picked up a camera and just started to sort of teach myself in the darkroom, and that was it. I, I was just taken by his work. That's where it all sort of started. And um, Arnold Newman is a name that I, you don't. You hear a lot of names come up often, mm. but Arnold Newman is not one of the ones that gets bandied no. about a lot. Um, despite the fact that he photographed kind of everybody who was anybody um all over the yep. world i've actually got one of his books um he came over and did some uh a load of shooting in britain and i've got a book called the great british um photographs by ah. arnold newman yeah. um yeah it's great and it his work is incredible his portrait work is absolutely incredible um what was it about his work that had such a big effect on you though yeah it, it's it is really sad that he is a he's kind of an unknown in the scheme of everybody, you know, like he's not an Avedon, he's not a Irving Penn, which I love both of those equally as well, but probably Irving Penn more so. But I think that I think he he was that guy that sort of introduced environmental portraiture. I know, I know it's a kind of a cliche, but he he made a really lovely he, it was a lovely way of introducing portraiture to the environment and. And I think that's what sort of took me in a sense. Um, and I don't know how to sort of explain it any better than that, but it was probably more his environmental portraiture and it was, uh, you know, in this time of sort of celebrity, it was he was just a working photographer and, and it, I, it was less about who it was and more about how he made them look um, that took me, if that makes any sense. Mm. Did you plunge straight into portrait photography as the thing? Was that what, or was it just photography in general? No, it's just, it was just photography in general, and I was just sort of floundering around with the camera. I, I had a an old crappy, crappy sort of Pentax one thousand that I'd sort of stolen from this high school darkroom, and just began to sort of not replicate, but I was just sort of fiercely looking at these images and how he was doing things, and I was just bumbling around. I'd, I'd do some some you know portraits of friends at school or family or and and then I would just sort of be led by my nose I didn't have any sort of prescribed way of doing it it, it was it was quite instinctual in a way a bit like drawing I suppose I, I it was just an extension of that yeah how did you mm. find with the technical side because you've been doing illustration up until that point the technical side is yeah. it is a big part of photography did you uh, click yeah, not in that. my world, right? <laughs> 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 like honestly, like I'm so, I, I'm so technically inept. Still, I mean, people would argue that I'm not, but I, but I honestly, some people are, are, are way better with that stuff than I am. But I, I sort of put it to the back of the line, and I just shot and was prepared to make mistakes and work that shit out later. Like I'd shoot and shoot and shoot, and then I'd just buy by pure. But just by making mistakes, that was you know the extent of my technical learning. So I, I literally taught myself, read lots, but but I really ignored the manuals. I still don't read manuals. 
I, I I try to figure stuff out on the fly, and I still to this day, and it's infuriating for myself because I can't work <laughs> stuff out very quickly. <laughs> like it's really bad, but I just don't have I don't have that mental headspace for um, you know learning new tricks. I really don't. Yeah. Um. So is it Melbourne you grew up in? Yeah, yeah, out of Melbourne, but that that's a good that's as, as good a place to describe where I grew up. I sort of out east, maybe 30k out of Melbourne. Yeah. Um yeah. So you did you ever um study photography at, at college, university, whatever, uh, or, or how no. was it all self-taught? It was all self-taught and it literally when I was at art school sort of pursuing this illustration there was a like a you know like a side um course that i could take like a three month which was photography and i just sort of what ended up happening was i went into the dark room and just skipped classes and never came out so i just spent all this time in the dark room ignoring all my other classes and um was just building a sort of a portfolio of work and i I wasn't sure what i was doing it for and I didn't know what the end game was, but I was just hell bent on being a photographer. That that's just my my best memory was being in the dark room and saying, "This is what I need to do, and this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to sort of um, communicate, you know, to the world." If, I mean, it sounds a bit grandiose, but I just I just really wanted to do it. Were you um, were you working by yourself then, or were there other people in the dark room as well that you could learn from? Um, no, I, I I still to this day am probably a bit. A bit like that. I, I was just kept to myself. I I was probably nervous about showing anyone, you know, what I was up to. So I was just tinkering away, and um, and literally, in the it, whilst I was doing this, there was a like an ad in the local newspaper saying there was what's known as a cadetship. I don't know if that's what it's called in the UK, but it's like an internship, and and I fortuitously just stumbled upon this ad that said, you know, cadetship for photographer with the Melbourne Herald. Um, you know, I had two weeks to, to smash out a, a portfolio and and go to this interview. So I thought, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I'm still at art school. If this thing falls over, I'll just keep doing it. So I applied to that ad, took a, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 images that I'd, that I'd that I'd um, sort of worked on in the darkroom and, you know, fortuitously they gave me the job. God knows why because the pictures were awful but um, <laughs> they, they gave me the, this sort of, you know, traineeship. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where it, it sort of took me, just a, a really hard right turn and then I never picked up a, a, a pencil or paintbrush again. Like literally it's really strange. Do you ever regret that at all? No, I don't. And people look at me and go, because you know, I've got all my old drawings that I show my kids and family, and they go, oh, why don't you still do it? And I said, I, I have no interest. Like photography took took that headspace away that I just wasn't prepared to share it, that headspace. And I, I, I love art and I look at it and I can appreciate it, but I just have no interest in doing the application. So you don't think you're going to go to a full Cartier Bresson in your old age and just hang the camera uh, up and no, no, and it's funny, isn't it? Because I went to an exhibition of his um, in actually in January in in Paris, and they had a lot of his sort of drawings, and I went, huh, you know, he he um, 
he, he could sort of, he had a foot in each camp towards the end there, and I have no interest in doing any of that. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the years that you were in newspapers. How long did you work for newspapers for? Uh, if you include, I mean, thankfully, I, I didn't have to finish that cadetship. They threw me out on the road, as they call it, <laughs> within a year, which, 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 which was good and bad. But I, I think all, I think if you total up everything, maybe I was probably 13 years uh, working for two different sort of big metro newspapers. Um, the Melbourne Herald was the first one where I sort of did my training, if you like, and that was sort of three years. And then, then I went on to the Sunday Age, which is trying to think it's probably a bit like you know when the independent was really great or the guardian um it was a bit like the independent the guardian and strangely i look we used to get that newspaper at the sunday age and i the independent was the one that i i I would have killed to have worked for um i don't know what it's does it still exist yeah yeah it's still going Yeah. yeah Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like these days. I mean, most newspapers aren't fantastic, but that was really inspiring. That that newspaper and the Guardian, those lift outs were just exceptional. And I, I remember seeing like you know a couple of spreads. Even Don McCullen had a few spreads, and I just went, "Oh, this is just fantastic! Like this is the best thing ever. I, I more than ever, I want to do this." Were you were you doing dark room work? there as well or were you just out taking photographs no no i did the whole thing so basically it was you know a fistful of film go and shoot you know maybe four jobs a day five jobs a day come back process you know wet process everything and 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 literally bang out prints as quickly as you can because we were it was a daily and um we had we had deadlines and it was really quick turnaround and you know at the time it was insane but i go I think about how good that training was for me now um, to be under that much pressure, which, you know, I say I'm not good under pressure, but I think in some ways maybe I am without even realising it. It's probably a very relative thing. You might feel like you're not, but compared to most people who have not had your experience. So, yeah, I I think so so I'm told because you're literally, you know, you've got your head in three different directions. You're... You're shooting film, you're coming back, you're processing it, you're, you're drying it really quickly, throwing it on a light box and editing like mad, like really quickly. And it's probably the one thing I'm confident of is my editing and that's that's about the only thing that I'm truly confident of in that sort of process of photographing. You know, that bit, I, I, I think I can nut out three images from 36 pretty quickly and go, no, nah, I'm happy with that and, and that's just how it was. Yeah, you said you, put your best foot forward. Yeah, um, you could be doing sort of up to about five five different uh, assignments in mm. a day. What kind of stuff mm. were you doing? What kind of what was the variety oh. of stuff you'd be required to do as Great. part of this work? <laughs> it was it, sometimes it was quite horrendous. Like I remember um, we had these different shifts, like you know day shift, afternoon shift, and I would you'd go on this sort of rotating roster. Um, and you'd do like a week at a time. And I remember being like on night shift for a week and it was just horrible. Like I was doing, you know, murders and, and, and car accidents and you were sort of following the police scanner. It sounds a bit archaic now, but it, it was just terrible. And it, it was real impetus to sort of go and, and hone in what I really wanted to do. So, you know, between murder scenes and, and, and knocking on doors and, and car accidents, I just thought, oh, 
uh, this bit's not for me. You know, that was that was real bottom of the barrel stuff, and I went, oh, I need to sort of really up my, you know, my game a bit and try to get out of this 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 horrible stuff. And I, I then I realised I probably wanted to do more human interest. Bit more gentle stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do. You know, dead bodies and car accidents. Um, so that was, you know, that's a real low point of being a newspaper photographer. How easy was it to um, grow your artistic abilities and, and creative side whilst you're trying to do a job that's so demanding? Um, you know, I, I, it was bloody difficult. You know, because you've got you've got sort of you know thirty or forty back then. You know, sort of older photographers on top of you um you know some are, some were you know you only needed a few really great mentors and i did i had really great people that helped me and then you've got sort of you know old school guys that just kind of want to you know push you down so it was trying to trying to break out and and have your own voice was pretty difficult but i i was just put my head down i was pretty adamant and you know thankfully i had you know, one or two guys that were, you know, quite selfless and their ego wasn't quite as huge that they could, they were prepared to help me and, and I'd go out with them and I'd learn with them and see how they, with the ones that I, you know, that I sort of looked up to and, you know, that they, they really helped help me and promote, you know, my own, you know, my own ideas and my own eye and then it just sort of developed from there and then I just basically, you know, tried best I could to, you know, have my own sort of hand handwork on, on on images, and you know, like my own, you know, my own fingerprint, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I just I just wanted to have <laughs> in Graham's case. <laughs> in Graham's case, a fingerprint on his work means something different. It means he's got a fixer on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say not literally, but yeah, I was because of my slapdash approach. I was pretty bad with that stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of your a lot of your um well i say a lot i mean you you do a lot of projects these days there's various things that we'll come on to later mm. were you were you able to pursue personal projects at that time or was that not did not really the bandwidth for doing that then no no it was good it was encouraged in fact and i there was my photo editor who was who still to this day i still owe him my career in a lot of ways because he was he was a photographer for, you know, 10 years before me and then he was like my photo editor and he just said, Jules, if you, if you want to get somewhere with this, you know, Saturday, Sundays, just shoot, submit, just go out, find stories, find images. And so I did and I, I just basically went out and roamed around and just, you know, spent Saturday, Sunday shooting images and then coming into the darkroom on the weekend and printing stuff and just slapping it on his desk Monday morning in the hope that the editor might go, oh, that's a good image. We'll use that, you know, with an extended caption. So that was the way in, for me at least, hmm. um, a way of sort of signalling, hey, you know, I, I can do this and, and I'm prepared to sort of work, you know, an extra 20 hours if it just means getting my name. You know, the byline was everything. Get your name in, get your name in. So that's then it sort of garnered, you know, more and more time and yeah it, it sort of went from there so I had plenty of opportunities to do it it was just you know it was hard to to muscle your way in yeah you were shooting through the 90s and into the early 2000s uh, mm, it, mm. so you were shooting in a professional capacity at newspapers when the transition came from 
film to digital. What was mm. that like when you were actually there on the coalface? Uh, sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I st- still, and it took me a long time to embrace the digital world. And, and, and in the end, uh, I, my hand was just really forced because of cost. You know, I, I was still, I mean, you guys probably, you know, ticked over into that, you know, a lot easier than I did. I, I was still, you know, spending money on film, getting it processed, getting it proofed. And it was just, people were just getting the shits with me and going, this is just taking way too long to get images out of jewels. So I reluctantly went and bought my first digital camera. And, you know, it was just one of those things. I, I, um, I just, I'm just really bad at learning new tricks and, and I just didn't want to commit to it. And, and I was, you know, quite puritanical about it, I'll admit. You know, and I just was, I, I was so, it was so abhorrent. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I kind of, I picked it up and, and I, I just had to do it. it. It was a, it was a chore. Given that you were probably one of the younger people working, you know, shooting for the papers mm. at, at that point, mm. how did the older, because you said there was quite a group of photographers mm. there, older photographers, how did they make the transition? Was there a lot of like, oh, well, this is me done, goodbye kind of going on? Yeah. Yeah, that, the latter, a, a lot of people. And and I think the lesson for me was I don't want to be one of those guys. So I had to just sort of suck it up and go, you know, I, if I want to be this photographer, I need to embrace it and I need to run with it. It doesn't mean I have to make it my every waking hour, learning every aspect of digital. I just had to actually start shooting digital. So a lot of those guys, and it's kind of sad really when I think back now because they – they just couldn't do it and and so they eventually sort of lost work lost their jobs and it was a, it was kind of a bit scary probably not to liken it to the industrial revolution or anything like that but it was such a major change in all things and photography was one of them and you either did it or you were left behind yeah it was almost the precursor to the well as you said it's not like the industrial revolution but the no, um, socially that, sourced image revolution that ended up happening a few years later absolutely and you know the the lesson was if you don't this this train's going to leave if you don't get on board so i was just i had to do it you know and i still you know thankfully um thankfully that i you know, that I sort of turned my hand to it best I could. There were still people that were, it was really, I mean, I found it, I, I found it a bit, a bit of a scary thing because of my lack of, you know, technical aptitude that I thought, oh, I, I could just be one of these guys and just get left behind. And there probably was a couple of years there where I struggled and it was, it was kind of sad I, and, and scary. I thought, oh, I'm done, you know, I'm, I'm going to get left behind. But, um, I just had to straddle both and just shoot film for myself in a way or I would shoot digital and then I'd sort of say to someone or the situation, do you mind if I just quickly, you know, throw 36 frames into film? And most people were accommodating and it was just a way of sort of, you know, appeasing that thing in my head. Yeah, it must have been pretty terrifying. I mean, you would have been at that point in your early 30s, mm. probably young mm. family, you know, <laughs> everything going on. Absolutely. Suddenly totally. it, it, exactly, exactly. And it was it was like shoot digital and put food on the table and keep the lights on or don't, you know. And it was, again, I, I was kind of backed into a corner and, and again, 
I'm probably good with that, but not realizing it at the time. It was just, you know, cold sweats mm. and, you know, get your shit together, Jules, now or, you know, or say goodbye to photography. It was, yeah, it was kind of scary. How did you find in particular the shift to post-processing with digital from film? Uh, how do you mean? Well, in terms of, I, I, obviously you were doing all the darkroom stuff before and making the prints oh, and yeah. so on. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, it, again, same thing. I, I think that I'm probably a more physical person. So, you know, touching film, holding it, looking at it, uh, it was a known quantity. Whereas digital had this, you know, this huge latitude that I was very unfamiliar with. So it was, and I still, um, I'd still, I, I still prefer to edit on the light box than I do on a computer. Like, like I can do it. Of course, I can do it. But I, um, I think I still, my, I feel comfortable if I've got film on a light box as opposed to you know looking at proofs on a on a on my you know on a Mac or or whatever that is. So you know, people talk about workflow. I don't even know what that is. I just bumble my way through. <laughs> 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 I don't know what a workflow is, but. But yeah, again, I still, I still feel a bit. I'm st- there's still a bit of unease with it. I'm still not quite comfortable with it. No, I don't think I ever will be. You obviously, your career at papers eventually reached its end. What was it that brought that about? I think again. So when I was, it was, it was the, the it was the Independent and the Guardian lift outs that made me think about sort of broader stories, picture stories, and I I really wanted to sort of get into that magazine world and but I didn't want it to be sort of high glossy. So we we had a similar thing as you guys. Our newspapers had lift outs and there was sort of there was the chance to do bigger stories, work you know, work put more time into storytelling. And so I just started to again shoot for those guys you know for free and submit stories ideas images and try and make that transition and then sort of like try and leap into into magazines and and that was kind of like an inroad and to, to get my head around how it meant to, to take my time as to as opposed to shooting five shoots a day i had i had that luxury of you know maybe spend four days on a shoot or five days or a month and and so I just gradually was doing a bit of both and then kind of one, once I got comfortable, I literally had to go, okay, well, I have to quit or, or leave newspapers and, and take the leap of faith in that, you know, hopefully I'll get enough work with these to pay the bills. Um, but yeah. how, do those, how do those sort of projects work? Did you, um, were you associated with a writer as well or were you creating yeah. the whole package? Uh, a, a bit of both but thankfully i just kind of attached myself to really great writers which meant they would unearth really great stories mm-hmm. which meant i i would learn how to do that and also there was that literally necessitated images you know so i would then be kind of a freelancer where i would speak to writers and say, what are you working on? Have you got any great stories that you need images? And, and then I would just attach myself to them. And then when, then when the images and the, and the writing sort of came to fruition, you know, thankfully it got published. And then once again, your name 
goes out there, attach, and this is how you're seen, this is what you're good at. So it, it, that was a, 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 like a link to and, you know, what felt like a, a better world for me and, and my sensibilities, which was a kind of slower, more gentle way of taking pictures rather than, you know, I just couldn't be... I just couldn't be the, you know, the press photographer or the sports photographer was just not how it would be good for me. Were there any particular projects or stories in those early days of the transition which you feel really helped you make that leap into magazines? Um, I, yeah, I, I think if I had to pinpoint one that was that felt really transitional and really helped, I. One of the um, one of the lift outs gave me an opportunity to sort of spend six weeks on the road travelling around Australia. Now, what it was called, the Australia Day Project, and literally they just said, okay, Jules, you've got a car, you've got a camera, you've got six weeks, drive around Australia with no, no set address or time. You just had that six-week period and find people and find stories. And that was no writer, that was just me. Now, it was it was kind of confronting, but it was quite liberating to be able to, to have that opportunity that they trusted me to go and find interesting imagery. And that was quite a pivotal point. And that actual job um, built such a big body of work, I was able to sort of, you know, get people's attention by, you know, having quite a broad bunch of imagery portraits you know saying did you um, did you do any research before you headed off on that trip zero zero (laughs) that's my kind of trip (laughs) yeah i know and i said like it's quite like this is this is my life and i mean it's probably to my detriment um i just don't plan anything i'm not good at it like i i really i think it just keeps me up if if i if i if i delve too deep into planning I'll, i'll just I just cannot do it. <laughs> it, just, it just scares me. It's like I'm such a bad planner. So, and it was it was so. When I look back on it now, I think, God, you know, like so. How great to just be given an open brief like that. They they was I was so I'm so grateful still to it because that that just kind of that flavoured you know photography for me in such a, a better light that I went. This is what I want to do and and. And for better or worse, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give it a real crack. So, um, but yeah, I can imagine like, commissions like that are, are fairly rare, aren't they? Where yeah, yeah, yeah like money's are. just uh, just uh, thrown at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, especially in this time of immediacy, which you know, that's that's nothing new. It's it's kind of sad. I, I I still find myself looking at old documentaries. You know, like I see, you know. Don McCullen talking about spending, you know, eight weeks or, or National Geographic back in the day. But I, I don't know what it's, it's not like that these days, that's for sure. But it, it makes me sound kind of old. But, um, yeah, it's kind of sad, really. You've taken some amazing work, and this does seem to be something you've done over a longer period. Of, um, mm. uh, uh, the ballet work you've done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's stuff I really love. And that um, those guys... Uh, the Australian Ballet um, approached me, uh, maybe it was as early as 2003, and they wanted me to sort of come on the road with them, um, as it were, so and do a few tours and shoot a bit fly on the wall, really, some, some sort, of, sort of set up stuff. But it was, 
It was a really great brief. It was just come over with this shoot in your sort of reportage way and um, for, for basically for their library of work. Um, so I did a couple of those. I did the UK twice and I went to China with them once as well. And, again, that was that really lovely, you know, carte blanche. Um, it was all shooting film. It was just captured the Australian ballet um, and we'll just use what you what you shoot. It was really lovely. And how long? So, how long do we doing that for? Or is this? I mean, is this still a thing that's ongoing? Do you still get involved with them from time to time? From time to time, but again, those situations are fewer and far between. And you know, it's terrible because there's there's no money in it. There's no budget for that sort of stuff. Mm. And and so, it's you know, Instagram, which is has you know has been a great thing. It has also killed off a lot of that sort of. Um, the bigger work, it's more, you know, quickly grab a shot of that for socials, you know, and that sort of eliminates photographers in a way because they can get it up quickly and there's less romance involved now, sadly. Um, you know, I think that's it's fair to say that it, it has kind of, you know, it cut everything off at the knees in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not a new story. It's just... It's just something that I can have that conversation with, and quite honestly, because it, it's it's not it's not something that that just involves me. I think it's you know it's a universal problem. Mm. I think it's a real shame because like in five years' time, ten years' time, yeah. people are going to look back, and all they'll have if they've still got them are a couple of photos that got posted to Instagram about yeah, the things yeah. they're doing. There's no documentation yeah. there at all, is there? Yeah, exactly, John. So. You know, that's a for for the you know the puritanical people like myself and many others. It, it's a bit of a sad state of affairs, really. But what can you do? It's a bit like when digital came in. You 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 have to sort of involve yourself somehow and make it work for you. That that's you know that's the only way that that we can can do it or make a go of it and stay passionate about it is sort of create your own situations. Um, in what in, in some way or another a, a lot of people a lot of professional photographers have found the last well probably last 20 years much mm. harder than the preceding i don't know 50 years probably um what for you has been the well, not secret but your pathway through it how have you managed to keep mm. moving forward keep building keep growing and because you you do at least as an outside observer you do seem to be busy mm. you up until this year you've been doing a lot of traveling you've got a lot of assignments coming yeah. up you've got a lot of but also your own work as well your own projects that you're doing um how yeah. have you managed to achieve that uh I I think that I I just I'm just annoying Graham. Like I, I just annoy I, I annoy art directors relentlessly. It's I, I just bang on doors. I think people think that, you know, make the assumption that maybe just that all this stuff kind of comes to you. But I it's probably where I it's probably where I do work hardest is being relentlessly annoying. Um and, you know, just wanting to be involved with stuff. And so so in doing that, you know, it it almost one begets the other. Um, I, I don't. I don't just rely on what I've done twenty years ago. I have to stay. I have to stay relevant somehow. So I literally just pick up 
you know, um, publications that I love, I, I, I scroll down to the art director and I work out how I can get in contact with them and I shovel my <laughs> I shovel my work under their nose in the hope that something will take and and be prepared to be knocked back a hundred times. Um, so it's just persistence, really. That that's the that's how I try and stay busy. How do you in that part of the the application process i guess you could call it mm. i do you select specific images that you think will appeal to those individuals yeah, yeah, from I your do. portfolio yeah yeah i do and and i try and have a sort of like a broad feel so that if you know there's five images that are just going to go quiet and they just they just uh, that they're terrible I'll, I'll i'll make sure that i've got you know a broader scope in the hope that i can you know pique their interests somewhere mm -hmm. you know i might have eight horrible images but they'll go oh those two images with the you know hopefully they're the two that, that that you know get their interest so it's a tricky one because you have to sort of swallow all your sort of pride and 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 in the hope that they they like something so i i literally lean on you know my my life 30 years ago and go well it's no different to 30 years ago, you know, punching out a whole bunch of images and just forcing yourself upon someone in the hope that they like it. I, mm. And I don't think that that ever goes away. I think you have to just keep doing that and hopefully someone sees some value in, you know, what you do. Um, but it's a lot of work and it's got to be part of your work. It can't just be, you know, idly working away. I think you have to be quite active. Well, for saying that you're not very good with the kind of, the workflow part of it, you must have um, a good access to your archive to be able to pull out images fairly quickly and put these packages yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, I do. And and it's, again, it's something that I've done very ad hoc for the last 30 years because the mountain of work and, and negatives that I now, only now am I working through, but that's not, I think COVID, it's such a boring topic but i think as you guys said a lot of photographers are sort of reflecting and looking back through everything and i i'm now getting my shit together and trying to you know get everything in a, in a sort of an order so that i can everything's sort of at, at, at my fingertips but it wasn't there's a shit everywhere you know like my <laughs> my negatives were in piles and you know there's there's hundreds of thousands of them so I, I thought well if i if i don't get this organized you know I, I because people need things so quickly these days i'm gonna really suffer so yeah what you said is right I love listening to you, Julian. You're you're like me, but with talent. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I, I have all of the disorganisation and of negatives lying around everywhere. I just don't have the quality of pictures. That's the only bit. That's the only bit oh. where I'm falling down. Um, with like with approaching because, especially in Australia, you've taken. You photographed a lot of very prominent Australians. You've got pictures in the National mm. Gallery. You've won prizes there. Does it get? Yeah. Does that help open the doors? Have you, have you got people approaching um, you more? Is it, or, or is it still just yeah. as much of a hassle? Oh, um, people would argue that. Of course, people would say yes, it does, and and Graham, it probably does, but not that you know. I, I'll still beat myself up relentlessly and think, you know, oh, no, it's made no no impact on my work. But it must have, you know, like I, I'd be silly to say it hasn't. And, you know, people are very generous, like the, the, the portrait gallery have been so great 
And yeah, I've had knock-on effect from having that and, you know, as it goes. So yeah, it has. And um, I'm pretty grateful to have those people in my corner. Because you've got a few pictures in the portrait gallery, haven't you? Um, mm, yep. And I, unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who any of these people are, other than the fact that these are prominent oh. Australians. So, um, uh, no, nor should you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, could could you well, tell us about some of the pictures that you've got in the portrait gallery and um, and why they were picked and sort of what and what it meant mm. to you? Because they span a, a, a sort of. A, portion of time well, actually the most of the sort of 2004 2005 by the looks of it but um yeah and and there's a couple of new ones that mm. just i was i was commissioned last year to do a couple so there's about another three in there of recent times but um for instance uh there's one in there that came out of the ballet of stephen heathcote who was a you know like a fairly prominent principal dancer with the Australian Ballet. Now, I I shot that for myself, in all honesty, and I, I, I knew him from travelling with him and I just said to him, look, I just, there's a few things I want to do. I, I, want to, I sort of want to, you know, cement you in, you know, history by doing a sort of like a fairly, a fairly sort of formal portrait. And uh, I just, spoke to the portrait gallery about what I was doing and whether they were interested in in having an image and they said absolutely so I I shot it and then they just basically acquired it so that was a kind of like a nice thing to 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 do that shoot and then have them you know put it in their permanent archives do you have a favorite out of all the ones that are in there I mean is that your favorite or do you have another one uh I I have a favorite and once again you won't know <laughs> Won't know him from Adam, but um, yeah, there's a fairly prominent Australian writer called Robert Doucet, and I don't know what it is about that image that I really love, but I just I, I, I really I really like it, and um, I, I can't I can't say why. I just I just love it as an image, and you know I like that you don't know you don't have to know who he is because let's face it, you know a lot of um images you sort of wonder whether they're good on their own merit or whether it's because of who they are so i i sort of try to rally against that and go okay how can i make an image Mm. stand up without having to know who it is um I've got to be a bit of a bee in my bonnet about that stuff. But, <laughs> no, um. I think I think this, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think looking at that picture of Robert to say, I think you would definitely like. I look at that and that really feels the um, Arnold Newman vibes coming through in the way in the uh, positioning. Like that, that feels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's nice to hear because you know I I um I feel you know kind of blessed that. I had crossed paths with him, you know, in, in one way or another. And, and, yeah, I think that it's hard for me to see it, but if someone tells me that, I go, oh, that's really nice to know that I that there's a nod to him. Because <laughs> you've taken Arnold Newman's photo. I read that somewhere that you've actually had a yeah, chance to take his picture. Yeah, I did. I um, Just by pure chance, I was shooting a... Um, a fairly innocuous kind of um, feature story for uh, the Australian magazine, which is a magazine here, which is, again, it's a lift out. And the guy I was photographing happened to 
to went to one of his photography courses in Melbourne back in the eighties, and he said, "Oh, I've got his email," and I went, "What?" <laughs> so I, I so I again, I just called. <laughs> I just, I just sent him an email saying, "Can I come to New York to photograph you?" I went, "Oh, this will just fall over." And he, he sent back a. He said, "Yeah, come." So I did. How was that? Because they say never meet your idols, but how did that go for you? Yeah, I know, I know it was silly, wasn't it? And I was prepared to wear that, but um, no, it was, it was really great because it made me realise that you know this this kind of visual pedestal that I'd put him on. Um, he was just a guy, you know, like me, had a shitty darkroom, had a really bad way of, you know, <laughs> archiving his needs. <laughs> and he was really and he was really quite careless. And I kind of went, oh, okay, this is good. I don't feel like like, like a complete fuck up now. Like this guy's a bit like me, but, you know, he's um, been working a hell of a lot longer. And I thought, oh, maybe what I do has merit, you know, maybe my sort of slapdash approach to photography is not completely wasted so it just gives you i don't know it gives you confidence that maybe you're doing something right and and he was really lovely um but yeah he was he's hard you know like he 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 worked really hard and he like he said he goes i'm just a working stiff and i've always remembered that yeah um that him saying that that you know don't don't get higher than your station. Just work. Just do the work. And it was really encouraging to go, you know what, Jules, just do the work. You know, put your head down and um, and hopefully at the end you've got something to, you know, to, to leave behind. I think that's why, um, like, <laughs> it's very easy to fall behind on things like Instagram and your website and stuff, isn't it? Because when you're involved yeah. in doing the work, you don't care about those things because you just... No. You're obsessed with everything else and those things yeah. don't matter. Yeah, it's true. And then you sort of go, oh, God, okay, do I need to be involved? I should be involved. And then you sort of see yourself venturing into a bit of a, a strange area where it's not the work anymore. But they, there is a place for it and they do have to go hand in hand. It's just working out how to do that. And and what you say, John, is true. You, you sort of just – you are just bumbling your way through. I don't think there's any sort of right or wrong way to do it. It's just, um, yeah, getting your work out there, stay busy, and, um, you know, hopefully people like it. You're actually very good, though, at, at sharing stuff on Instagram. You've got, as I mentioned right mm. at the beginning of the show, you've got a fantastic Instagram feed. A lot of the work you share is shot on film. Uh, at this point, how much of your, how much are you shooting on film? How much are you shooting digital? Um, look, I, I sort of... For my own sanity, I sort of draw a fairly big line in the sand where I sort of divide my brain between my, you know, sort of work and inverted commas where I shoot digital and then I have my film work which is, you know, occupies another part of my brain. So, and strangely the two don't really meet. Now, that's not because I'm adverse to digital. It's just that it's a way of sort of compartmentalising the way I look at things. And it's, it's fair to say that I do look at things differently from a digital perspective. It's really odd um, where I feel very differently about when I pick up a camera with loaded with film as opposed to when I'm shooting digital. And I think I like to keep it that way. Film's film and that's that part of my brain and digital is, you know, um, a, a bit more kind of meat and potatoes, not to... Not to uh, to anyone who's shooting digital, that's not that's just my approach. I don't I'm not 
against digital. It's just the only way that I can sort of feel slightly romantic about still shooting film. Mm. Does it affect the way you feel about the images that come out of it? Do, do you like? Do yeah. you have stronger yeah, attachments? Really? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I don't. And to be honest, Graham, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate that. I mean, I could have a go, but it it is a different thing. And I I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe because. If I'd grown up maybe, you know, in the digital world and there was no such thing as learning film, maybe I'd feel completely differently, which is fair enough. But I think because I've got the two versions in my brain, it's um it's a really strange thing to to approach film and digital in my working life and not it's almost like I dismiss film as mate, you know, that that that's just a thing I do on the side now, whereas, you know, digital is my work. Um, you know how I make money, which mm. is really weird. Because it used to be in the reverse. You know, film was everything, and and it kept the lights on. You know, that was my job. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's the opposite is true. So when you are shooting film, what what are you tending to shoot with these days? Is it thirty five mil, medium format? What are your tools uh, of choice? I've, I've moved. I just go with what I sort of feel. I, I'm, I'm loving sort of 120 and 544 was something that came later when I, you know, was a mu- was much more comfortable, not with handling cameras, but I think approaching people and dealing with people, realising that I had the time, that I had, you know, the skills to, you know, spend time with someone doing a portrait and be able to shoot 54 or 120 and not have to have this kind of, you know, 35 mil attitude, but I, I like it all. Um, but I have lent towards 120 and 5.4 of recent times because I love that, um, that sort of, you know, slow-moving process of shooting, um, you know, and not so reliant on, oh, you've got 36 frames to get it right. I love sort of, you know, being cornered and, and spending time shooting two you know, two sh- sheets of film or four and going, well, make it work, Jules, or, or you know, just make it work. Yeah. Uh, you talked earlier on about the fact that you're good at editing and that you can quickly mm. go through and assess which images have worked. I mean, how, when you're out shooting, do you, even with film, do you shoot quite a lot to make sure you no. get the pictures you want or you've no. slimmed down? No, I've, all, I've no, I've always shot lane. Um, I still shoot lane. Um, even in digital, you know, I'll be on a shoot and to me it feels like film. So I'll, I'll shoot a, a job or a portrait and <laughs> sometimes someone will go, what, is that it? And I kind of go, yeah, yeah, that's it. But I've, I've got everything I need. And I think, yeah, I don't have that need. And I think it is part of my training. I, I, I don't have that need to shoot a thousand images because once I start repeating myself, like what's the point? Like I, I, I've only, you know, at best I've got to get, you know, maybe 10 or 15 frames to do an edit to hand into a, a publication. So shooting a thousand, you know, uh, so I'm pretty good at self-editing as I go. Um, is you know, I see like when you first started out in the, newspaper industry you're mm. when you're out on a shoot you're editing at that point already aren't you you're yeah 100 percent. like yeah you're, yeah. you're taking a yeah. very sm- small amount of images and you're yeah. already creating the story on those yeah. few yeah. frames because it saves time I, it's 
it saves time and it's and it's just it's how my brain's now geared clearly because I hate and people lose people are very impatient and thank God because I'd rather um, I'd rather have you know I'd rather have a, a twenty minute conversation with someone and work out the landscape of what it is I'm doing and then and then ten minutes of good shooting. If someone gives me an hour, it's no good. Well, for me, it's no good. I'll, I'll just flounder that time. I, I think I need that sort of sense of urgency to get things done, so therefore I don't need to shoot a lot. Um, it's not that I'm that self-assured. I just don't I, – I think I still have that film thing in my head that I have limited frames and I have limited time, um, even though that's not true. That's how I sort of approach it. Um, a couple of years, I think it's a couple of years ago now, you worked on a book called Igni, um, uh, yeah. a documenting uh, the um, starting up of a restaurant and the mm. chef. And the, how did that come about? Uh, so one of the magazines that I used to work for, which I've done a lot of the travel work for, was Gourmet Traveller. Um, the author, Aaron Turner, who who I, I photographed him, you know, maybe 10 years ago for, for, for this magazine. And we just, we got along and, you know, we were quite like-minded and, and, and we sort of stayed in touch. And then, and then we sort of developed a bit of a friendship over the years. And then he had this, what is the book, Igni, he had this restaurant that um, on the back of, you know, a fairly horrible divorce and breakup, he, he had, Igni and then you know he sort of presented this idea to me said I want to do a book I want you to sort of document it in your style of sort of like 12 months and we took it to the publishers and and they you know they really liked the idea so that's that's kind of like a long-winded way of saying how it sort of started but he asked me to shoot it in that sort of you know that sort of documentative sort of way but still you know, the publishers had certain things that I had to do, but it was a 12-month period, literally, which is good because that's how my, you know, my brain goes, all right, give me a start and give me a finish. And I just sort of shot and, and it was an, an analogue book. So it was a, a nice way to, you know, get back into shooting film for something, you know, in the, you know, in this day and age. Mm. It must be like so when you're starting out with a project like that, but you were just talking and saying to John about yeah, having this idea of the story in your head that you want to tell. Mm. But when you're documenting something over 12 months, when you don't know where that story is going to go, yeah, how, do, yeah. how do you approach a project like that? Um, you just spend every night shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, standard then. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, and again, it, it's funny, you know, because I, because, again, because I can't, I'm not good at planning things. So I just, I just have to follow my nose. And, and it's probably when I get to that, and I'm really terrible, like I, I, with that book and with everything really, when I'll, I'll shoot and I'll just come home and process or whatever and I won't even look at it. I'll put it aside and I'll just shoot and put it aside and I'll, I'd have all these negatives and polaroids and stuff that I would have a cursory glance at because I think that if I if I get too embedded in it, I'll just, I'll, I'll just drop the ball and, and panic and so I kind of 
I, I get really worried. So I just sort of shoot and I just have to hope that I'm, you know, there's some kind of story in there or I'm getting it right somewhere along the line. And, you know, it's always at the end. And this is, this is what drives me crazy. It's always at the end that I'm scrubbling and putting everything together. And it's not as I go. I'm just not that person. I, I, I shoot a, you know, a, a shit ton of stuff and I just put it aside. And then I try to work out the story, you know, on the 11th hour, uh, uh, I kind of patch it together and I have to, this is how I have to work. It's the only way I know how. Yeah. Working with um, Aaron, uh, the, the guy who's, you know, professional mm. is, uh, he's obviously writing for the book as well. So was there a yeah. lot of yep. conversation between you with him saying, look, this is uh, what yeah, I'm talking lots. about, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots. I mean, I, that's the part that I really love and I love having that sort of dialogue because it can help colour what I do. You know, it, it's really, to me, it's really important to have someone in my ear about what it is that they're trying to say or do or and, and I just, I, I'll just turn my hand to that kind of part of the emotion of the story or, or, or visually try and interpret you know, not literally, not not necessarily literally, but um, you know, that sort of. I love that ambiguity of stuff where you know you, you're shooting images and from an emotional level, and not necessarily here's this and here's a literal representation of that. I mean, that's not something that I'm very good at. Um, I like the the ambiguity of imagery and what the conversations we had were really important because we were just talking circles. He would say, oh, I'm thinking this and I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm thinking that and then, you know, throw it all together and, and hopefully it sticks. Yeah. Um, mm. Your normal work life involves a lot of international travel, um, a lot of jet setting about and doing all sorts of stuff fun stuff all around the world and obviously yep. this year has <laughs> shot all over that yeah yeah um, yep. but, but obviously you're equally very passionate about what you're doing still how have you kept yourself from going crazy not being able to do your normal stuff this year uh not very well <laughs> <laughs> i think not like most but i mean it's hard the the probably the the great if there's a great thing that came out of COVID is that it gave me, it probably gave me a real kick up the ass that I needed and that was to, a, a lot of people have said, Jules, do a book, do a book. And I, and I just feel so strange about that whole process. You know, I'm happy to attach myself to other people's books or other people's work, but I'm not very good at backing myself. But COVID kind of put me in this uncomfortable corner that I seem to be used to and it made me sort of get into my archives not an unusual story but so what I'm trying to do is is do my own book and I do have an opportunity to do it and so I'm I'm currently doing that and trying to hang on to a semblance of sanity in amongst you know not actually um having you know proper work come in the door every day so it's hard though it's hard to 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 stay you know confident that there's something at the end of this so mm. i had to just go you know what now's the time to maybe maybe do a book and hopefully that'll be a good thing is there going to be a specific theme to the book 
Not that I know, because it'll be something that <laughs> you'd probably know if anyone's going to know. It'd probably be you, Jules. Well, I, I really, decided the last I really, minute. I exactly like I. I really don't. Um, but I, I have a lot of people who who are very encouraging and helpful in that regard because, you know, they can see they can see nice little themes, um, in amongst my work that can help me. You know where I'm. I'm not good with that stuff. Uh, I can tell the story with the images, but I'm not very good at um, that sort of flow or you know h- how things sort of gel in a, in a book form. You know that that bit. I'll, I'll throw myself at the feet of the experts who are uh, better informed than I am, and can. It's hard for me to to sort of look at my work that critically and go. Oh, this is this, or you know, this should go here. I, I trust other people, you know, to to guide me with that. Is this? I mean, do you look at your work, and is there some of it that you just like more than other stuff? Is there is there a particular kind of work that you've done that you look at and go, yes, that's my kind of thing? Because obviously, you do all sorts of stuff. Um, but what's the stuff yep. that you love the most that you've done? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I, I think. I think the stuff that um, is a really hard question, Graham. I think it's the work that other people would argue otherwise, but I that I feel like I'm, you know, my hands aren't all over it. It's almost like I'm a bystander. My my uh, you know my commercial work, if if that's the right way to describe it, you know, people can say, "Oh, I love that," and I just I just hate it. <laughs> And I and I and I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why it's just my personal thoughts. Whereas you know sometimes when I look back at my work when I was like nineteen or twenty, that's stuff that I I really love. But maybe so much time has passed that you know it it stands on its own two feet because it's not about anything in particular. You know it's um it, it's quiet little scenes that I've shot. There's stuff that's thirty years old that you know I go oh. That that's kind of that's my work, and this stuff's rubbish. You know, it's it's a really a really strange thing. Yeah, I can imagine well, having thirty years worth of work to look back over. Um, it's it, kind of confronting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine, and it, mm. and it must be difficult. Well, I I say it must, I don't know, but to, to to look back and go, oh my goodness, look at that amazing image I took in two thousand. Have I taken anything that good this year? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and you know, unfortunately, twenty years needs to go by in order for you to, well, for me, to kind of maybe give it, you know, give it a, a tick of approval. Like it's 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 a terrible way to be, but. I think that um, you know it's nice to pack stuff away and then and then unpack it and see if it still you know if it still has some kind of if it resonates with me and you know some things do and some things just don't things that I loved ten years ago I hate now or things that I hated you know I can grow to love it I don't think it ever really settles um, yeah yeah it's a bit of a movable feast in a lot of ways. Do you have is is your um, is your archive digitized or is it still all just no, negatives and prints? No, it's all negatives and prints and wow. and yeah. So I, I I'll I'll probably never digitize it all. No, I, I won't. That'll never happen. It's that's too overwhelming. You know, someone can do yeah. that when I'm dead, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, it's not something that I. I ever do. I literally have spent the last couple of months, you know, 
slaving things, putting it in relative dates and then, you know, putting it in, you know, proper archival boxes, which I've never owned in my life until, you know, a <laughs> month ago. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why I'm so disrespectful with it. I, I just, it's not that. It's not that I don't care. It's just that um, I, I, I just didn't see the need to, you know, but I, I, this was a nice chance to do it. Can I, uh, this is a, I suppose, a, a post-processing question, which is not something we generally dig into much on here. But I'm just really intrigued because on quite a lot of your pictures that you shoot on film, you show, um, you can see the edge markings and stuff. One of the things that yeah. consistently really impresses me about your work, or it, or the the framing and composition is mm. amazing. Mm. Um, Thank you. Uh, is that all in camera? Are you cropping? I mean, either way, the end result is amazing. But obviously, with a lot of them, because you can see the frame markings in there, it's like, no, well, no, this obviously yeah. isn't. How much cropping do you yeah, tend yeah, to yeah. do? Uh, honestly, and, and please don't think that this is anything other than my own thing. I, I try to crop everything in camera. So, And it's not uh, – I certainly don't do it as a this is how it should be done. I think it's probably just a bit of a – a bit of a lesson to myself. Mm. I, I like the idea of getting it, getting it right in camera. Um, probably, you know, maybe because I started off, you know, sort of drawing, painting. It was like, here's the square, make it work, or the, here's the rectangle, make it work. And and composition's a pretty big thing for me over and above whether the light's good or whether you've got all those other components. I think that. You know, if if the composition's terrible, well, then no amount of light or cropping or anything's going to fix it. So I try to, I'd rather fail twenty times and get it right in camera than try and you know crop. Now that that's a fairly big debate, and I don't think there's a right and a wrong because you know Arnold Newman was notoriously known for cropping um, to make things work, and I, I just try to make it work in camera it's just a, a little competition i've got with myself not with anyone else hmm. <laughs> i think it's, it's about where you put your energies isn't it because if, if you don't want to be putting your energy into spending time with the post-processing like cropping and sending it all up there nah. make sure you get it right in the camera don't you i, I think that's it i mean maybe i'm just lazy focus i think is the yeah i definitely don't think laziness is what comes through yeah and and i and i don't and i'll tell you what the funny thing too is i just i would hate people to think that i'm you know i'm sticking my my nose up at people who who don't do this it's just it's literally my own thing and you know, you, you hear about, you know, Bresson said, oh, I, I, I never cropped, I did everything, everything was a straight print. I mean, you know, uh, uh, whatever you think about that, I, I don't know what I think about that, but I just, it's certainly something that I want to, I like to do for myself, you mm. know, and my way of sort of showing that is by just, you know, showing the whole frame. Um, yeah. You know, take it as it is, love it, hate it, whatever, but this is this is as kind of honest as I can get it. I, I think again, it's just as I'm looking now. I, I hope anybody listening to this does go to your Instagram feed and just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls because <laughs> it really is like an incredible body of work that you've got on display there. And and the, I mean, the, the lighting is also really good in everything, but the composition in particular, your composition uh, is 
just there's some absolutely incredible shots. The point where I think when I first spoke to you, I said when I first saw your feed, I assumed that it was somebody reposting the work of other sort of magnum photographers or something like that because I just couldn't believe that anybody would just have a feed of work like this like when that was it was no this is just your photography <laughs> I yeah think- well, I, I mean I, that's really kind of you I mean I, I would love to be in the same breath as magnum and I mean geez you know that that work that their work is phenomenal um but yeah it's 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 a funny thing to view your own work I um I think that, yeah, thankfully I've had the opportunities to do a lot of different things, so therefore there's probably a lot of diversity to what I do and I've had the opportunity to, you know, cover a lot of different things. Um, but, yeah, that that's all thanks to, you know, the, the, the people who have, you know, hired me or, or used me for various, you know, stories or subjects that, that you know, enabled me to sort of have that breadth of work, I suppose. Yeah, but also you mm. you you take a lot of beautiful pictures of your family, so it's not just oh I'm in a beautiful, yeah, I'm yeah. in a lovely spot with this amazing no. person. It's like no, you take a lot of beautiful work of your own family as well. No, absolutely, and and I think that you know more importantly, you know if anything that has more sort of um, I have more sentiment, you know, for that because it's it's probably a, a you know a bit of a, it's a bit more pure for me because there's no. There's no, you know, brief or there's no make sure you do this or make sure you cover this. You know, I can please myself. And that, that's, you know, that, that's a really great place to be in, you know, to be able to pick up a camera. And, but it is really hard to sort of detune yourself from the expectations. And, you know, sometimes you find yourself wanting to, you know, please that part of your brain or you've got an art director in your head, oh, make sure you do this, you know. But the best space to be in is when you just when it's a, a bit more you know intuitive yeah do you uh, are there sort of pastures yet unexplored that you are keen to get into are there things that you think i really i either either um subject matter wise or style wise that you want to mm. explore boringly not really the the probably thing that i would love to 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 get back to is getting more time you know, back into the darkroom um, and, you know, really sort of perfecting that part of it, which, you know, I, I, I can get in the darkroom, you know, tomorrow and it's, it's a bit like falling off a bike. For me, I, I would be able to click in pretty straight, I'd be able to click in straight away. I think that's just something that I feel like I'd love to get back to, not, not a style or a type of film or anything, but just maybe that sort of nice process of, you know, doing a beautiful silver print again or, you know, that that would be my next thing, not necessarily um, a subject matter necessarily. I think I'm happy doing what I do, but I think I want to have that end result be a a physical print again um, rather than it be in a magazine or Instagram or, or whatever that is. Probably having that time would be lovely. You'll have to do some to, uh, to compliment your book. Yeah, yeah. Well, that will come, no doubt. So I, I think I'll, um, I, I'll try and, you know, incorporate that somehow. But I'd love to do, you know, maybe some kind of, you know, ha- a nice exhibition with handprints or something like that would be great. Um, but, you you mentioned before we started actually that you're trying to get your website um, 
knocked into shape. <laughs> um, is that because yes. you're, you're planning on actually starting to sell prints through the website? Yeah, yeah, I am. And, and thank God, you know, I have um, a very patient wife who's actually, I can't take credit for building it because all I'm doing is feeding her images and she's actually building it for me because I have no clue how to do it. I would be in a cold sweat. I wouldn't even be able to put the coming soon up. Honestly, like I, I, I couldn't. So the idea is that I have a new website. It's going to be about 4,000 times bigger than it was because I was too humble with it and and opening a print shop, exactly. Um, basically, you know, sort of opening up all my work and then working out and hoping that, you know, people might want to, you know, spend money on, on a print. <laughs> which makes me so nervous because I just hate the thought of going, hey, world, <clears throat> buy one of my images because, you know, who the fuck cares? But I, I that's what I'm doing. And, you know, in about a week I'll be um, under the doona uh, hoping someone buys a print. So have you got have you got a nice dark room at home? Oh, you said it's a mess. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got, I got no dark room You've got at no all. no dark I, room? No dark room. No dark room. That seems like it might be a problem and if you're about to start selling prints. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know you're not big on getting the technical stuff <laughs> planned out, but <laughs> no. Well, thankfully, I've got um, there's a there's a group in Melbourne who who do all my sort of you know all my sort of printing. As in, I can use I can they they'll do my scans or I'll. I'll do my own scans and they will, you know, they'll be actually doing the heavy lifting with the printing part because I just wouldn't have the time and that's that's what I was saying earlier. I'd love to have that time but it's a bit like the, you know, the digital world time is just going to cost me too much time trying to trying to get that stuff right. So, you know, they're, they're going to do a big part of that for me, thank God, because there's no way I could do it. Not, not at the early stages. Maybe once I've got the hang of it and, and this whole, you know, doing prints on order, I just don't, I, I want people to get, you know, a decent print and I, I don't want to be floundering trying to get this right. I, I need help. So they're going to do it. So are you, is the plan to have a, a good chunk of your catalogue up there for people to look at and then, if they want something, they click on it, and then that gets printed spe- specifically for them. Yeah, I, I mean that's the idea, and I'll, I'll I'm going to sort of throw myself at people's feet a little bit and, and say, you know, but the idea is to I'll, I'll just do small releases here and there, basically just open up small print runs and um, and just see if if people you know what they want to buy or or be guided by people's you know thoughts. It's a bit of a strange one. I, I really don't know what, how I'm going to sort of approach it. I'll probably start with maybe six images that people can buy, and go from there. But yeah, if people people will be able to click onto my web and see my images and say, "Could I have this one?" You know, um, and then I'll I'll do you know, I'll do small releases. Got you. Um, mm. A question which has been asked by, I think, anybody in your shoes, no matter what level they are at. And I guess, and you, I know you've asked this question, John. How do you decide 
what value to put on your work when you're selling it like this? With so much difficulty. This is the biggest problem. And this is probably, no, it's not probably, this is why I haven't done this earlier because it's, it's a bit. It's hard to to back yourself and say this is what it's worth. So I don't know what the right answer is. All I can do is take people's opinions and, and I, I sort of ask for help in that area. Like the the portrait gallery, for instance, have, have been really good at saying, Jules, this is how it has to go, you know, or this is how you, you value this or this is what something is worth. And I still... I still struggle with it because, you know, you're asking money for something, which is, you know, it's fine if I'm commissioned and I take someone's money, but to put my personal work up and say, hey, you know, can you shovel a whole lot of money into my bank account? I I don't know where to start, but I, I have to start and I have to take people's advice on what things should cost and, um, and go from there. But I'm I'm gonna have to bumble my way through it, as you will probably see very soon. <laughs> Basically, people should get in quick before your prices go up. <laughs> oh God, no! I don't, I don't even, yeah, like I mean, it's it's embarrassing to even for me to go. You know, here, folks, pay for this. You know, it's it's a it's a new. This is very new territory for me, and it's it's pretty scary to be honest. It's horrible. Like personally, it's it makes horrible. you feel very. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't and I hate uh, the big my biggest problem is if I if if I seem egotistical you know like he's he's kind of going oh my stuff's good enough to buy now now buy it that's the bit that I that really is, isn't it? have it's like all those yeah, terrible people yeah. like builders who go well my building works good enough to stand up so you should probably pay for it it's terrible how dare yes, how dare creative just, people I, think I, they should I, be I, able to charge for the work yeah. that they do. And it's a bit of a terrible default position to, to fall into because, you know, there's probably people that are much better at it and kind of s- swallowing it and going, oh, well, that's what it is. But, um, uh, you know, it's it's take it's taken me so long to even entertain the idea of selling my own work. Um, but, you know, COVID's kind of made that happen in a way because it, it sort of necessitated it in a way. It's sort of like, well, while you're quiet how do you make money now it it was a good it was a good kick up the ass to do it one way or the other and i I just have to i just have to be okay with it Uh, clearly i'm not (laughs) (laughs) i'm just what intrigues me is i'm really looking forward to seeing how you decide which pictures to put up because if it's gonna be a small selection at a time um given the size of the body of work that you've got to pull from you know you've got 30 years mm. worth of work um, yeah exactly I, w- I was just scrolling back through your feed because in my head like i know there was this one picture from literally years ago that i remember seeing that really yep. stuck and I, I found it i was going to ask you about this mm. one particular picture so good luck remembering this one um oh yeah it's I'm take- sure I will. it's uh i've <laughs> taken it a place <laughs> Which now I come to read it, it's a bit of an unfortunate place. <laughs> Play them. Oh, a place no. called Dick Max in Dingle Island, and this oh Dick Max, yes. And there's this picture of this old <laughs> yeah, guy yeah. in a hat with a hat on. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like this picture has, I mean, I think was it uh, January 2017? You you posted this picture, yes. and it was still in my head because it's it's an incredible picture. Oh God, really? Okay, yeah, I I know the one you're talking about because I was in. 
I don't know if you've been to Dingle, but I was there on assignment and I just was in this bar, which was called Dick Mac's. Now, he is Dick Mac. And um, <laughs> and it was just one of those kind of moments where I was in the bar really late and I was just sort of sh- shooting, you know, like I said, I, I had my digital work and then I was sort of shooting some film stuff. And, you know, it, it was just one of those moments. I, I remember that really well because I, I loved Dingle and Dingle was looked like a, a great, great place and, and he was hilarious. Yeah, it's just it's just such a great picture. I mean, it's, um, and, you know, you shot it on an HP5 on a Leica. I, yep. I, for one thing, it looks like I go, wow, that just looks amazing for, for being <laughs> HP5 on 35mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, it's for a candid picture... You just look at it and go, no, that looks, it looks like a still from a movie, not this oh. is a picture. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I, d- well, I just needed buy, to find you can, that. You can buy that one if you want. <laughs> there you go. That needs to be one of the ones that's on the thing. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just, I'm glad I found that because it was just in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do, I do, I do remember most images. And so you do actually. You're really good with Instagram. You, for for all that you are disorganized oh, really? with everything. Well, I mean, you you post regularly, and also you're good at keeping up with. You respond to people. How do you find the time to yeah, do that in yeah. amongst everything else? Uh, I I just think I just think it's really nice to um to respond to people because you know I I'd, I'd never. I would hate to take that bit for granted. That's probably something that that I'm prepared to spend the time with because like people like yourself, people who are prepared to be really nice about my work, I think that, you know, you you should be kind of grateful um, for it. So, you know, it, it's something that I in, invest that time because it, it's important to show appreciation. I mean, that sounds kind of, that sounds a bit over over the top, but... It's probably me thinking, well, you know, if, if someone's prepared to put that time in to sort of send me a nice note, then I should reply to that. So, you know, that that's that's probably really important. For me, it is. Yeah. Um, we should probably start to wrap this up uh, <laughs> because yeah. it's getting quite late. Um, well, not for you, obviously. It's quite nice and early. But, no, no, um, yeah. um, <laughs> so I, I guess the last question I want to ask, as we said, I've touched on already the fact that your year has been huge. and Well, everyone's year has been insanely impacted. Mm, um, mm. When you look ahead to uh, some degree of normality and the ability to move mm. around and travel returning, what is it that you are in your head? What are you thinking? Oh, this is where I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is this is the thing that is mm, mm. keeping me going. It's it's a really funny thing, you know. Like a the the answer is probably kind of simplistic because what I have learned is that um, yes, I've been fortunate to do all of that traveling and see you know really great amazing things. But what what I do want to do at the end of this is probably spend a bit more time, you know, capturing my own sort of life and my own backyard or, or things that are closest to me that don't require that travel because, you know, making images um, are in abundance everywhere. I mean, yeah, that's fine for me to say because I've got to do a lot of great travelling, but I I do like the idea of, you know, shooting things closer to home and and making that as important as you know 
the big ticket items. So I think more time, you know, my own personal life, my own sort of area and, and sort of paying a bit more sort of a bit more of a homage to, to that rather than relying on, you know, amazing locations necessarily. Yeah. It sounds like a good <laughs> sounds like a solid idea, especially given the world <laughs> yeah. we're in. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of cornered anyway, so <laughs> what, what choice do I have? Yeah, may as well lean into it. Um, Jules, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to do this no, with us. No, no, not at all. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So the things that we've talked about, your website is going to be back up and running imminently imminently I, I as i scramble to get it done now um but yeah look I, I i need to get it done i sort of put a semi deadline by the end of the week so um it, it should be up it, it it will be up in part and i'll be adding to it so there'll be a semblance of my website by the end of the week um but yeah it, it'll be it, i'll just keep adding to it uh, as i because doing it in one hit is too overwhelming and will the print sales be ready to go when the, as soon as the website goes up? Yeah, yeah, it, it's all it, it'll all be attached to the same thing. So basically, the print shop will be attached to the website, and um, you know you can you can scroll through everything, and and you know by all means, if if people you know if there's something there that they like, you know, I would love it if people reached out because I am going to be feeling my way through this. Um, and it's kind of overwhelming. So and if anyone wants to send me advice or help, um, please do. <laughs> I really need it. <laughs> uh, and the book, any idea what the ETA is that is going to be like? Yeah, I would hope to have that all wrapped up by June 2021 um, in a perfect world. Hopefully that's, that's when it's – I mean, I've set – that deadline's kind of been set – in a way and um yeah all things being equal that that's roughly where we're looking well i hope that when when it is done and ready you'll come back and talk to us about how the entire experience of of making it has been because that would be fantastic yeah 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 i can give you the horror story yeah (laughs) i love horror stories most of all so yes you have to come back i'd I'd be i'd be more than grateful and i'd be more than happy to chat about it if i you know my fear is just boring people senseless so anyway you know i'll talk I think you'll probably be fine. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, John, mm-hmm. have you got anything you need to let people know about this week? Uh, I don't think so, other than definitely go and check out <laughs> Jules' Instagram page. Like, it's very <laughs> rare for me. Like, I'd, We've talked about inspiration before and kind of being inspired by the photographers or music or films or whatever, and I really mm. struggle with that and to answer that question. Mm. But I've been massively inspired by what you said tonight, so thank you very much for spending oh. the time time with us not at all thank you john that's really lovely so yeah thanks for having me on and um hopefully hopefully i uh sounded somewhat articulate (laughs) you sounded fantastic (laughs) well well listeners (laughs) we will leave you then and we'll play you out as always with the music from rachel's band rocker um and yeah it's good you won't get to hear i'm afraid thank you guys Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure, and we'll be back uh, next week, probably. (laughs) Bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye.